0: Education is something I have. Hmm? Education is not who I am. Spirituality is the light that will enable you to operate intelligently on material. What does my business exist for? Hmm? And then you need to have people who identify with what your business exists for.
1: Good evening, everyone. My name is Saurabh Sardana and you are watching the first episode of season two, Recast. I'm so glad to have with me today Acharya Prashanji. I'm I'm pretty sure that, you know, most of you, you know, sort of follow him on on like one of the social media channels. Acharya Ji, I have done my research and I know that I think you've been to the best engineering college in India. Then you went to the best business school that one can go to. And then after that, I think you probably cragged you know the toughest exam in the world which is for indian civil services now for for somebody who has that kind of an achievement taking the road less traveled sort of going down you know the route of spirituality if i may say i think is 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 a very unique decision so uh, if we can just spend a couple of minutes in understanding for our audience what really triggered this how did you sort of traveled you know from a, you know from the best engineering college you know to the best business school you cracked the toughest you know sort of examine the world and then I think you sort of started your own foundation just give us a gist of this journey because this journey in itself sounds fascinating
0: sort of we do we see that first of all there is a strong assumption in the question and the assumption is that hmm, one's life should be directed by even dictated by his or her education that one's educational qualifications should be at the center of one's uh, life and I would uh, say life not career because um, career is at the center of one's life right you are what you do so what we are saying is that uh, my degrees and uh, the educational pedigree which I might have obtained at the age of twenty-four, twenty-five or twenty-eight should then go on to drive the rest of uh, my life. But uh, think of it, education is something I have. Hmm. Education is not who I am. Education, my education is for my sake. Mm -hmm. So education is something in my hands, it's, it's a resource. I have it with me now, it's knowledge or skill. Hmm? I have knowledge, I have skill or I have a certain exposure. These are important resources in my hand. Now my resources cannot take the place of who I really am. My resources cannot become my central identity. So. Those things were there, right? The IIT education, the I.M. education. And they were, uh, those things were used for the uh, best purposes possible. Just as uh, important resources should be dedicated to the highest purpose possible. So those resources, that knowledge, that exposure is now being uh, put in the service of uh, a very worthy goal, a very important mission. That's what is happening. There is uh, really no no dissonance there. In fact, uh, maybe we should just turn the question around and ask ourselves, why do we tend to use our resources, not as our resources, but as our drivers? A resource should be something that I own. Instead, why should I allow my resource to own me? I saw a very important thing waiting to be done and I put all that I had in its service. And I continue to do that. Uh, And I advise people to do the same thing. If, If you if you have 10 rupees don't you want to invest it in the best place possible hmm? you don't want to miss spend even, again, even even rupees 10 or rupees 100 then why should you miss spend or rather not not optimally spend because if i say misspend it becomes a uh, 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 very you know, tight or harsh kind of statement so why should one not optimally spend The highest resource that one has and among the highest resources that one has are one's time one's knowledge one's intellect one's very self
1: i think that's a very very unique and a very interesting take on on you know how you responded to that question And I think it it sort of immediately set the context for me that probably I think the way I asked question, I think was sort of loaded with that assumption that, you know, because your journey looked, uh, you know, very typical to begin with. I think it should have continued in the same way, whereas I think we as individuals are free to choose the route and the purpose that we want to deliver in the world. So I think I think this this sort of, you know, beautifully, you know, sort of segues into the question that I had in mind. And I think this is one question that that I have to ask you. I I actually come from the world, which is, you know, the world of business. And I think you've been to a B school, you know, you've started business and, you know, you've seen like a lot of businesses operating around you. The sole purpose for business as it has been taught to us or what we practice is to make profits. Right. Whereas I think, you know, you spoke about knowledge, you know, knowing oneself more than the other, talking about intellect. If I just say that, let's, let's use the word spirituality. I mean, it's a, it's a huge and it's a, it's a vast term. It has different manifestations. But I think spirituality is everything, but it will not focus on, you know, the materialism, you know, you know, the material aspects of what humans really want to achieve. Is there space for spirituality in business? How do you look at it? This...
0: Spirituality is the space, Saurabh, in which everything operates. You cannot have space for spirituality. Spirituality itself is the space in which all human activities, all actions of consciousness take place. Hmm? Spirituality is the space. I'll elaborate. I know I have not been very clear on this. Uh, You see, what does one engage in any kind of activity, including business activity, for? One engages for one's welfare, right? What does one want even material profits or benefits for? One wants material profits or benefits for his well-being, right? And as long as you are operating in this world as a body, which we all are, Obviously, we are dealing with the material continuously. I mean, even the air we breathe in is material, right? These sound waves that connect the two of us right now are material. The laptop in front of me and the the, the gadgets on your body right now, they are all material stuff. Even without this material stuff, even this so-called spiritual conversation cannot take place. This very body that's talking of spirituality right now is a material thing. So, you cannot have that kind of uh, division where you put life on one side and spirituality on the other side, or you put spirituality in just one small remote corner of the domain called one's life. We mm? say, Um, there is this vast domain called one's life and there is that big space called personal life then there is another big space called professional life then there is a space called interests, there is a space called relationships, there is a space called this, that and there is also a space called the spiritual space. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not that way, that very model is flawed. Spirituality is about Man's consciousness. We are conscious beings, we are sentient beings. Spirituality is about taking right decisions with respect to the material. Please understand this. You want to you want to start a firm. Equally, you have the option of accepting a lucrative job offer from somewhere. It is a spiritual question. The decision that you will take falls very much in the zone of spirituality. Similarly, the the question of relationships. Do I go ahead with this? What connects me to the other? Do I settle down? Do I marry? Do I have kids? These are all essentially spiritual questions. How will one live without spirituality? If, if if the world is material, Saurabh, spirituality is the is the light that enables you to walk down all the material roads. Spirituality is the light that enables you to choose rightly between one material and the other. Hmm? Material by itself is just material. Don't you require light? Hmm? And the, the the way, the sense in which I'm using the word light, I mean it to be immaterial or beyond material. No? So we need material, but we also need something in which we can know clearly the reality of the material. And that's what I'm calling as light. No? So you can have material A, material B, material C, material D, material E. But what if all those materials are in front of you but in darkness? Spirituality is the light that will enable you to operate intelligently on material. Hmm? So so you require spirituality all the time, in all the ways, every moment. Hmm? Right now, you could either listen carefully to me or isn't it possible that you get distracted? You know, all of us are ridden with so many diverse uh, affairs and... uh, issues. Similarly, at this very moment it is possible for me to dedicate myself totally to this conversation with you or I could get a bit distracted. Spirituality is that which allows me to remain centered at the right place all the time. I must know what is important at this time. It's, it's not a bad definition. If we say spirituality is the art of of knowing the important and dedicating yourself absolutely to what is important. So you require it at all times. Business activity is not at all uh, separated or divorced or insulated from spirituality. The, The only thing here is that the way we the way we Uh, usually look at uh, religion and even spirituality is that uh, these are things that deal with the with the occult with the esoteric uh, you know with something that is uh, transcendental mystical mysterious on these all words that point towards something that is not related to the material Hmm? moment you say occult you mean something that is not very much uh, within the usual laws of physics. The moment you talk of the transcendental or the mystical, again you are referring to something that is not within the usual domain of the material. So so spirituality has uh, come to acquire a very hazy uh, kind of uh, shape and notion. In our minds, uh, we have uh, we have ostracized spirituality from our moment-to-moment life, mm-hmm. and we have uh, limited or uh, consigned it, or or just just uh, uh, bounded it within some very um, unreasonable boundaries. Mm-hmm. A temple is a spiritual place, for example. In a temple, you ought to be spiritual. Or you can have a spiritual place within your household. Or you can have a half an hour slot in the morning in which you sit down to meditate. So that half an hour is a spiritual slot. And what about the remaining 23 and a half hours? How will you operate without spirituality in those those hours? I mean, can you operate without light? at any point in time so spirituality is that light that you need continuously i say it is like heartbeat hmm? it has to be continuous continuous quiet and central
1: that's a that's a very interesting take i've sort of never thought about spirituality i think in that sense because i think what's been fed to us all the time is that spirituality is a mindset right can businesses be spiritual right which which sort of you know makes it sounds like that it is it is an acquired state rather than something that you know we live with so if i understand what you've just explained and if i just paraphrase that are you really saying that you know spirituality is something that we live with every moment and i think every decision that we take we must we must okay which means that not everybody lives with spirituality every it's like day. your eyesight. Okay.
0: No, okay. no. That's obvious. Look at the state at the look at the state of the world. Look at the way, you know, we human beings operate and suffer. It is obvious that people are uh, not uh, living in a spiritual way. Hmm? Look at the destruction we have brought about on our ecosystems and on our even on our private lives. It's obvious that we are not uh, uh, living spiritually. But that's something we we ought to do for our own sake. Not as a moral obligation, not uh, as a, uh, not because of some religious injunction, but but very reasonably, very sensibly, for our own welfare, we ought to be spiritual. Just take the analogy to its uh, uh, its conclusion. One just cannot move without light. It doesn't matter whether one is moving in a factory or one is moving about uh, in, a, in a stadium or or even if one is just just sitting comfortably um, on a sofa set, we require light, don't we? Similarly, we we require heartbeat. Hmm? So what heartbeat is to the body, spirituality is to the consciousness or mind. The only problem is when heartbeat ceases, then the results are very gross and very evident, you know, you will know something extremely catastrophic is happening to the body because the, the heartbeat is going wrong or the breath is going wrong and it's very very detectable. Unfortunately consciousness is not something material so you cannot look at consciousness in the same way you look at the body and immediately know that there is something wrong with consciousness. Right, So, the body misses a heartbeat and you know something has gone wrong, the mind, the consciousness misses spirituality and we do not come to immediately know that something horrible has happened and so we are able to continue even in our, uh, our, our distorted state for long and that's what is happening to most of us unfortunately.
1: I think this is, this is going in a very, very interesting direction because one way to actually sort of, you know, talk about a spirituality is that, A, I think we won't be able to cover the length and breadth of this topic because it's vast, it's huge, right? But sort of let me take a cue from, you know, what you just explained and let me just sort of, you know, give you a hypothetical situation. In fact, I think this can be an actual problem, you know, with many businesses, you know, that operate in India, in Singapore, or even in the world. Say, for example, you know, you get a call from an HR manager from from a particular business and, you know, she comes to you and she says, you know what, I think we are just sort of missing that heartbeat because I think people are sort of, you know, fighting with each other. There's there's a lot of, uh, you know, toxicity, you know, sort of within the culture. There are very differing, you know, opinions and point of views. And I think as an HR, I'm struggling, you know, to converge, you know, to bring all of that together. Can you, as a spiritual facilitator, as, as a spiritual knowledge expert, give me some very practical advice or if you can come down to my office and talk to everybody, I think how would you go about implementing or, or you know solving you know that particular business problem using something that we already have within us? And I think why I'm asking this question to you because I think it'll just sort of give a little bit of flavor to our audience and to our listeners as to you know what is the practical implementability of what we call a spirituality which is a which is a very vast topic to be covered in about 30 minutes.
0: You have to start with uh, what connects people and build on them. The chair manager has come to us with the differences she sees. She's seeing what, what separates people. But it's very important to remember what connects people and what connects people is so obvious, so so evident that we just miss it. What is it that connects people? Each of us wants his or her welfare. At our centre, we are people who love joy. At our centre, we are people who do not want to live in fear or distrust. We do not like these things. And that's what is common amongst all of us. So I'll, I'll start from there. I'll ask, does this entire group or department or what sort of company unit, does this have a central thing to bind them together? If there does exist something centrally important, something to which each of them can be individually devoted, then there is going to be no serious problem because then the differences can be ironed out or even if they cannot be ironed out, they will simply be left behind, please understand. Because at the center sits something so important that each person will give that important thing the first priority. Which means all those things that were causing differences and uh, divergence among people would then be accorded a lower priority. And differences are bound to be there because at the surface level we are all different. We talked of what is common amongst us but what is common amongst us is at a deep level. At our core we all have something in common irrespective of our age, or nationality, or economic status, or gender, or or political orientation, or whatever. So, at the core, we all have something in common, but at the surface, all we have is differences. So, Then the question obviously is, is the relationship superficial, or is the relationship deep enough to allow the deep commonness to take over? If the relationship is merely superficial, then we know that at the surface, there are only differences. So the relationship, the the entire network of people who are there in that business, all they will uh, have with them is differences and and it would be a a chaotic kind of uh, place that won't go very far. If you want the whole thing to go far, then you have to find out What central purpose does this business serve? What do you have to tell your employees? Why do they exist? Why do they come to the office every morning? What's the net output of their effort, their labor beyond the salary check that they get? Hmm? There has to be an overriding mission. I say overriding because it should be able to override the differences among people that should be the strength of the, of the mission of the company and if uh, that kind of a mission does not exist then I uh, don't want to uh, just uh, uh, offer a superficial consolation then the only way to keep the group intact is by offering uh, superficial allowances or imposing disincentives, and that's what uh, businesses usually do. Mm-hmm. But all that is needed, principally, because the the group does not know what they are working for. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot have a business whose only aim is to maximize shareholder value. Mm-hmm. No, no sane person, no loving person can work all his life, all her life just to maximize the money in uh, somebody else's pocket and that to a stranger's pocket. You know, the group of shareholders is often not even known to the group of employees. Even if they are known, at least uh, there is no intimate bonding between these two groups, the, the shareholders. And I'm talking about a closed company in which there are a limited number of shareholders. There is no intimate bonding between these two groups. There are the shareholders, there are the employees, and and what are we trying to say? We are saying the employees exist for the sake of shareholders, probably uh, in the legal sense they do, but then all you will have is is chaos and differences and conflicts, Uh, and that's what we often find in so many organizations. If you want to avoid that, first of all, you have to figure out the very nature of the business what does my business exist for Hmm? and then you need to have people who identify with what your business exists for and that should be the central devotion of each single person in the organization then you will uh, have the the commonness uh, trump over the the divisions
1: that's a that's a very very useful perspective acharya ji um, I think I think you you sort of, you know, shared a couple of points that that sort of, you know, now leads me to my next question. And, and I, I think that's that's about, you know, this new buzzword within business circles, uh, you know, it's called sustainability i mean everybody is now talking about business sustainability uh, because i think everybody wants to work in favor of the planet you know for their people for peace for prosperity and i think this is this is sort of a you know newer concept i think in its in its previous avatar i think you know the word that was getting used more and more around the globe within business circles was corporate social responsibility now somebody i think who's who's sort of you know uh, you know done extensive reading who's trained you know who's who's acquired knowledge Uh, or who's acquired Vedantic knowledge, what do you think the ancient scriptures from India can offer to these Western philosophies? Because, you know, business sustainability, brand sustainability, I think all these concepts really come from West. And I think East just ends up acquiring them. What would you say can be the contribution from Vedantic knowledge that that even sort of Western world or, you know, Western businesses, you know, can learn?
0: It's a good thing to uh, begin with, sustainability. Let's go into this word sustainability what does one want to sustain Hmm? what is it that one wants to sustain obviously one wants to sustain things as they are one wants to sustain a state in which uh, you are able to take from the planet without uh, impoverishing or uh, hurting the planet so much that the planet uh, is in no more a condition to give you. Mm? So we are talking about sustenance of the human being and because uh, the human being cannot sustain for long without the planet, therefore we are uh, uh, thinking of the planet. because we are now being forced to do that. Hmm? Had it been possible to draw infinitely from the planet, we would probably uh, not have talked of uh, uh, sustainability. Hmm? And that's the difference between the Western and the Eastern approach. The Eastern approach will not say that uh, sustainability uh, is an obligation. Mm? The West has come upon sustainability only because it found its ways unsustainable. Mm? Had those ways not been unsustainable, the West would have said carry on, carry on, carry on. But that kind of consumption Mm. Uh, that's happening at uh, per capita level in, in the U.S. or mm, in France or Canada or such places, that won't be possible for long. Hmm? So it's not out of mercy for the vanishing species of flora and fauna or because of love for the ecosystem that the word sustainability has come. It's not because we have suddenly become better human beings, therefore we are talking of sustainability. We are talking of sustainability mm, for our own sake. mm? sake. And that's the the difference. Vedanta says your welfare has to be clearly understood before you start doing something for the sake of your welfare. You must know where your real welfare lies before you jump the gun and uh, uh, start acquiring material or start consuming material, uh, feeling that uh, material will give you joy, happiness, contentment, whatever you want from it. Hmm? So Vedant Tik at the very beginning says, hmm? Not at the end. The West has come to the very climax of consumption and is now talking of sustainability. Hmm? Vedanta says right at the very beginning, will consumption give you what you really crave for? Because you do not crave for consumption as such. You want something else through consumption, via consumption. Hmm? Now, will consumption ever give you that which you so desperately want, and each human being is just a, a bundle of wants, aren't we? We want, we want, we want, and when you say you do not want anything more, then it's obvious that you are no more, you are dead, even physically dead. We keep wanting, that's our central identity, we keep wanting, we keep wanting. We could say a human being is a wanting animal, an animal with desires hmm? and, and infinite desires we keep wanting we keep consuming we keep consuming vidan says figure out before you um, run this mad and infinite race of consumption how important really consumption is in life obviously we cannot live with zero consumption obviously we need we need shelter we need clothes we need food yeah. we need transport mm-hmm we need technology, we need these things. But what is the place of these things in life? That's the moot question. So, when you address that question, then sustainability is automatically taken care of. You're asking what is my nature and how does that nature relate to the material around me? There is me and there is money, and there is a huge building, and there is a great car or a yacht, and there is that massive jumbo jet, and and there is the the island that I can buy, and and there is that prestigious position I can acquire, will that which is me be really satiated by all that? And that's a question. There are no answers here. Vedanta is not about beliefs. So it does not provide you easy answers. It does not ask you to believe in the answers that are given in some uh, holy scripture. Vedanta asks questions. Vedanta is an inquiry. ask. So what are you here for? Hmm? And if there is a continuous dissatisfaction in the mind, will you ever be able to plug that dissatisfaction using what you are currently doing? and once you're asking that question you know this mad race for consumption it it gets uh, it loses its steam on its own the moment you ask what is my relationship with other beings other human beings other animals hills rivers birds you are no more in a state to to just slaughter them and consume them and finish them off it's not possible anymore because now you're firstly asking who am i doing that not as a matter of rights but as a matter of identity how does that even benefit me to do that so sustainability comes right at the beginning not at the end sustainability comes as wisdom not as an obligation, hmm? not uh, as something that is enforced upon you hmm, by by what you now see around or by science or by legislation. hmm? Uh, Today you talk of CSR, it came about due to legislation, hmm? Vedanta says individual responsibility is enough and individual responsibility comes from individual understanding. And what is to be understood? The first thing to be understood is who am I? If I know who I am, then I know what my central responsibility is. And I also know what I need to do, how I need to act. And how do I need to act? Suddenly, not in the direction of blind, unmitigated consumption. So, so 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 sustainability is automatically taken care of. The way the West is going, you know you will care for sustainability only as long as you probably do not have another planet to inhabit. If a point comes when the entire humanity or at least the privileged ones can uh, emigrate to another more hospitable planet, then people will say we we give two hoots to sustainability on this planet. So this is just an enforced sustainability. it will it's better than not caring for sustainability at all obviously but uh, it won't go a long way
1: that's 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 a very very interesting take and so are you saying that you know the western philosophy or you know the western way of looking at sustainability is completely flawed
0: obviously at the center it is quite flawed obviously what you're saying is you know, Use resources in a way mm? uh, that they last, they last for you. You are still keeping your own little petty self-interest at the center. I mm? will give you a small analogy, Saurabh. Here in India, you, you know about uh, the alarming um, uh, sex ratio, huh? the sex ratio at birth and at 3 years of age, 5 years of age, you you know of that, right? And it's uh, the worst in the northern states, Punjab, Haryana, Rajasthan, even in Delhi. So one of the things that the governments are doing is they say, please take care of the girl child. Hmm? Don't indulge in feticide or infanticide. Else, How will you get brides? Now that's the kind of sustainability that the West is talking of. That's the kind of sustainability the ego always talks of. Save the girl child for the men. Save the girl. Save the girl. That much is said. Save the girl. And what is not said? For the men. Similarly, the West is saying save the planet within brackets for human beings. For human beings. Now, does the planet have no right to be saved on its own for itself? No. But in the, in the consumption-centered mind, everything exists for its own sake, for the sake of its own consumption. Hmm? So, save the girl. Otherwise, how will we have women to consume? Save the planet. Otherwise, how will we have places to consume? No. This won't work. This won't go far.
1: I think, I think, Acharya Ji, what I sort of really liked about, uh, you know, how you described the whole Vedantic knowledge, you know, in like one sentence, uh, would it be right to say that, you know, just understand why you do before what you do. And I think that that quest, you know, for, for exploration, I think will just sort of, you know, make you take better decisions in life.
0: Obviously. And it's a, it's a little deeper than that. See who the doer is. See where he comes from. See what within you is so eager to do what you do. See what within you drives you to your workplace every morning. See what within you is so afraid of that particular thing or happening. See what within you keeps looking at the future. That thing. Who Who exactly is it within uh, uh, operating like that?
1: This is, this is a very exciting conversation, but I think from, from the way you explained that, you know, it's important for every organization, whether they are in business or, you know, sort of, you know, they are in any of the other allied activities to sort of really ask this introspect um, as to, you know, why they do what they do and who's the doer. And then I think, you know, sort of, you know, really talk about the deeds. I think this brings me to the question about your foundation. I think, you know, you work towards humanity. But if you can just give like a very quick, brief description of what your foundation does. And I think what are the goals? And I think the point that I will be more interested in knowing is for like a foundation that works in this space. Do you have a finite goal or do you have infinite goals? Which means that, you know, there is no finiteness, you know, to what you do. And I think, you know, you'll just sort of keep going and keep doing just for the sake of of pleasure, joy or, you know, sort of whatever your outcomes are so just explain us a little bit more and and you know we'll we'll then you know take this discussion forward
0: at the level of people who are who have devoted everything to this work and are involved full-time the number is not very large around 25 much larger is the number of volunteers uh, who contribute in whatever way they can. So somebody is contributing for half an hour a day, somebody couple of hours a day, and, and they are scattered across the world. So we we receive help from them. You know, somebody is uh, helping us in the in the technical zone. Somebody with uh, with just let's say proofreading of books. Hmm? So those kind of things are there. Yes, we do have very strict, very tangible day-to-day goals for ourselves, and uh, it's a very intense uh, workplace requiring very high degree of discipline and devotion. Um, actually, life and work converge uh, at the foundation, so we we really do not even have any um, fixed work hours and uh, there are people who work even up to fifteen hours, eighteen hours a day when needed, but then nobody counts it as work because, uh, parallelly, it is it is recreation, it is entertainment as well. Hmm? So, yeah, that's the way we are working. Oh, and uh, finally, the goals are infinite. There is. I cannot see a point where I could say that the work is done and we can disband the whole thing. I do not see that. So, and that's what keeps us going, you know. Uh, the, the whole thing is so enormous, so so huge, so massively important that it's just not possible to shy away from it. Once you have seen the importance of it, you cannot not do it. So, then, then everything gets aligned around the one central thing in life, which is the work. And the work is to, is, to, is to take care of the unnecessary bondages we all are in, the unnecessary darkness we espouse. That's what we challenge, that's what we fight. Obviously, it is such a huge thing that we do not even expect uh, to to reach anywhere in our lifetimes. and We are contented with that realization. We do not expect to have moved one particular mountain in the next 20 years and then celebrate it. Having said that, as I said, we do have very, very, very... Critical day-to-day goals. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to has to publish a video, somebody has to finish off a book, somebody has to arrange for a seminar, mm-hmm. somebody has to fly to Bangalore to mm, arrange for the uh, upcoming camp. And um, all of those things operate uh, on very on very tight leashes and uh, uh, secret timelines. So yeah both things are there on one hand we do not know what we are going towards on the other hand when it comes to day by day functioning or week by week functioning or a monthly thing we have uh, uh, tight targets
1: so if if businesses have to approach you on, i mean on what kind of partnerships you know they can they can approach the foundation and you know how can you know there be synergy uh, you know between what you do and, and, you know, what sort of different kinds of businesses, you know, sort of might need from foundation? Is it, is it just about voluntary work or, you know, are there, are there sort of, you know, potential synergies between different institutions and the foundation?
0: See, uh,
1: irrespective
0: of uh, what the entity is, the entity could be a, an individual or the entity could be a couple. The entity could be a family or the entity could be a huge organization. If the entity is interested in knowing the facts of its existence and living more harmoniously, then probably we can assist. Mm -hmm. We exist for the sake of such assistance.
1: Acharya ji, I think it was, uh, it was a fantastic 40, 45 minutes chat with you. Um, I wish, uh, you know, I could have done this longer, but probably I think there's always a next time. And I think we should, we should keep, you know, some of, you know, your knowledge and wisdom, you know, reserved for, you know, when we meet next. So thank you so much, I think for coming on Recast. And, and I think, uh, you know, I I had an absolutely enjoyable time. Thank you so much.
0: See you next Thank you.
1: You've been listening to Recast with me, Saurabh Sardana. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen. Don't forget to leave a review and rating on your favorite episode. Also, if you want to chat with me, connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter.